Amen, amen. What a beautiful video. What a beautiful picture of how God works in our life with redemption. Um, before I have the kids go downstairs, I wanted to make kind of a, an announcement for everyone as concerning Paulette. And as you know, she went down to visit her mom. Um, she's been in the hospital, and they brought her into hospice. Um, she has passed away. She passed away Friday. And I just wanted us to pray for Paulette and Monty and their family because obviously Paul is very dear to us. And um, we just we just want to pray that God brings comfort to that family and uh, and and just uh, bring some healing and just all the memories that go with that. So. Lord, we just um, pray right now over Paulette and the family, Monty and her sisters and brother. Lord, I just pray right now, uh, God, that you would just minister to her down south, Lord, as she was there uh, with her mom this Friday when she passed away. Uh, Lord, I just pray right now that you would just, um, as the God of all comfort, Lord, that verse that we can just hone in on, Father, that you would be the God of all comfort for them. Uh, Lord, we just thank that she was able to be there with her, and we just pray, God, that you would just, just minister to them salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. 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 If we could have our uh, children head downstairs. Miss Paige has got a beautiful lesson. I went down there. It was so secretive. I went down there. She thought I was one of the kids. She's like, no, no, no. I'm like, it's just me. I was a spy. Amen. You are not your past. Turn to someone real quick and say that as confidently as you can. You are not your past. Aren't you glad you're not your past? My goodness, if we were defined by our past, we wouldn't have a future. We serve a futuristic God who looks into our tomorrows and uh, knows the end before the beginning. Isn't that amazing? So when we look at our lives, we look at the end, and God says, no, 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 it's just the beginning. And, and I want us to turn real quick in our, in our Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. It's a verse maybe you know very well, but I want to pound it into you today before we jump into the new year. Because, you know, you go into the new year, we start cleaning some things out and, uh, and getting ready uh, for that fresh start. But it's a lot deeper than resolutions. How many have failed at your resolutions before? So you will not get a resolution message from me. I think they're very... Very uh, limited because they're about self-will and a self-power and you start exercising and you realize, oh shoot, I'm a weekend and now I'm already done. So uh, I want us to focus on really what matters in our life and the deep things of God. I'm glad you can organize your closet, but I want you to organize your life. Philippians chapter 3 verses 13 and 14 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I think about that idea about forgetting the past. There isn't anybody in here that can forget your past realistically. You have memories psychologically in our life. Way back when we were a kid, you'll never forget those things. So it's very sloppy for us just to say forget the past, because that's not even what Paul means here. What Paul literally means in this word is he means no longer caring for, he means to neglect it, and he says to refuse to focus on. That's the word forget there. Refuse to focus on it. Amen. How many of us have focused on our problems for too long? We focus on things, we mull over it, we go through these things. And so the concepts that we're going to learn today are maybe some things you've already heard before, but I think it causes us to awaken some things in us 
so that we can really say that I, in 2019, will not be defined by my past. I can tell you even in the business world for me in our, uh, in our work and our window cleaning and everything we do, uh, just getting customers in, raising prices, changing things. We had one customer, we took a step of faith that was a very profitable company or uh, contract, but we said, you know what, that contract is kind of too much of pain in the butt. It's not worth our time and our investment. We want to put our energy in other places. We took a step of faith as a team and said, we're not going to do that one anymore because it's, it's, it, there's more value over here for us. And, Folks, when you, when you make a decision to not focus on those things, you say, I'm going to get rid of that, and I'm going to move on to this thing. It's a hard step to do, because we all know what we know, and sometimes we kind of do the same thing over and over again, because we just know it, and we're creatures of habit, and it's hard to let go of that stuff. But I heard someone once say this about the past. He said, I heard, don't make the future pay the debts of the past. And I loved it when he said it. Don't make the future pay the debts of the past. Jerry Porras wrote this, you can't let the past invent your future. When we go into this new year for the church, I want us to come up with ideas and thoughts and say, what is it that God wants to do? Practically speaking here, what does God want us to do spiritually? How does he want us to pray? How does he want us to seek? How would he want you to pray for this city? How would he want you to do that? How would he want you to pray for your family? How would he want you to seek him? Again, the word to forget the past when you're not your past means to no longer care for. It means neglecting it and refusing to focus on. Our memories store millions of pieces of information gained through our senses since birth. Some experiences are impossible to forget, and any effort to forget them only makes them prominent. Paul is not advising a memory wipe. He is telling us to focus on the present and the future rather than the past. Refuse to focus on your problems. I think one of the things we see now that's really hindering many people is depression and anxiety. I think those are the two huge things in America we deal with, is anxiety and depression. Those are huge things. We get seasonal depression. I'm a creature of that. With church, even it's hard for me. I'm like, and I don't even know what planet I am on right now. Does anybody feel like that right now? Like you get up and you're like, what day is it? Where am I at? You just kind of go through these kind of seasonal modes and you get through these focuses and you go, okay, now I've, now I've lost complete focus and and you, you don't have any motivation for anything. You've already been there. In 1929, business tycoon J.C. Penney was hospitalized because of severe anxiety. One night, he was sure he was going to die. So he wrote farewell letters to his wife and son, but he survived the night, and hearing singing the next morning in the chapel, he felt drawn to go in. A group was singing, God will take care of you, after which followed Bible reading and prayer. Penny said, suddenly something happened. I can't explain it. It was a miracle. It felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of darkness of a dungeon into warm, brilliant sunlight. I felt as if I had been transported from hell to paradise. I felt the power of God as I had never felt it before. I realized that I alone was responsible for all of my troubles. Isn't that interesting? I knew that God with his love was there to help me. From that day on, my life has been free from worry. The most dramatic and glorious minutes of my life were those I spent in that chapel that morning. Isn't that crazy? He realized that he was the one responsible for all of this anxiety and this worry. Folks, I'm going to tell you, no matter how many problems you're in the middle of, those people in those situations are not the ones responsible for your anxiety and worry. You're like, no, 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 you're, you got our own, no. 
But they really aren't. Because if that's the case, then we can't be the people that says, Count it all joy when trials and tribulations come your way. You can throw that verse out, right? Because the only way you're going to have a good life, and I'm going to have a good life, and be free of anxiety and worry and doubt, is that you just walk through paradise. Well, folks, then throw the dumb Bible away because it's worthless to you in this life. J.C. Penney realized when he walked into that chapel that he was transformed from hell to heaven, that he was the problem. J.C. Penney realized, and like many of us, all of us go through this anxiety, worry, depression, doubt, fear, all of them. Put them all in the same bag. That when we buy into something, when we buy into that, J.C. Penney had said, I'm going to die. Can you imagine getting to that place? He was so full of anxiety that he basically, I'm dying, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. So he wrote a letter to his mom or his wife and his son, and he said, that's it. And he realized in that moment when he woke up, when he walked into that chapel, that no, 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 I'm going to live, I will not die, and I will declare the word of the Lord. Amen. Folks, today maybe you already predetermined the outcome of what it will be this year. Maybe you've predetermined already. I want to tell you to open your mind a little bit to the possibilities of the future for you and for me. Your future is right now. Your future is not next week. It's not, next, it's not a month from now. It's not a year from now. Your future right now, if you have predetermined outcomes for your life and you said, this is how it's going to be, then right now you're going to have to open your mind to the possibilities that maybe God says, forget the past. Stop focusing on it. Maybe feelings and thoughts have taken you down a bad path mentally. There's a missionary pilot was talking just after he had completed a long and difficult course to get his license for instrument flying. He said, instrument flying is so different than flying by sight. Because you have to learn that you can't just fly by your perception. Sometimes you have to go against your feelings. You just keep your eyes on those instruments. Sometimes you feel as if you're going the opposite of what the instruments tell you. You sure cannot fly by your feelings. Folks, today are you flying by your feelings? In your life. Because if you are, one day you're happy, the next day you're sad. One day someone's your friend, and the next day that person, you want to just give them the boot and tell them how to go and where to go, right? John Wesley, he had preached a devastating sermon in which he warned against the sin of waiting to feel good before you do good. How often we say, well, I didn't feel like doing it. Folks, how often, you know, that devastating sermon, he said, the sin of waiting to feel good, the sin of waiting to forgive. Maybe today you're past and you've predetermined some things. Maybe you determine right now in your mind and in your heart to forgive that person. Boy, isn't that a difficult task? Isn't it difficult? See, we want to feel good. I want to feel good. But do you know forgiving that person has absolutely nothing to do with that person? It has everything to do with you? has nothing to do with them. Do you think you're withholding something from them? It, it's amazing. We drink that poison of unforgiveness and bitterness and we realize we think they're the ones being killed and withheld from the blessing. Folks, you are. I am the one when I refuse to forgive. Are you flying by your feelings that says, well, let me, let me think about it. And one of the things we do in our Christian faith, and I don't want to knock this, but so often we use it in the holiness religious context, you know, the Holy Spirit just isn't speaking to me about this. You know, it's kind of like if someone has a broken down car in front of you, 
and they got a tire that needs to be fixed, and, and you just kind of go around them and you don't do anything, folks, you don't need to pray to help someone fix a tire, right? You just need to be inconvenienced. That's the problem. I think for many of us, our feelings are this. I just don't want to be inconvenienced, and I don't have the feeling for it. I don't, man, just get up and do something. There's a, there's a beautiful, powerful verse that says, be ready in season and out of season. One of the things that God has gifted me is, is a big mouth. He's given me that. <laughs> and so I've determined that I'm always going to use my mouth. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to speak the oracles of God. Whenever I get a chance, if somebody says, Steve, would you like to speak here? Do this. Absolutely! Because God didn't tell me no. No. He didn't say no. And if God wants to say no to me, he's going to tell me no. But I'm going to keep charging after things until God says, Steve, stop. We don't anticipate things because we've already predetermined things. We don't go after things in life and people. Man, that accidental encounter that you have with that person in the supermarket that maybe did something and tripped, maybe you see them there in distress, maybe the car's broken down in front of you, they're out of gas, that's up to you, buddy. That's now become your problem. You saw it do something. And if you can't do anything, find someone that can help you do something. It's a devastating sermon that he wrote. The sin of waiting to feel good before you do good. Boy, it feels, man, doesn't it feel really good when everything lines up, you feel good and you do good and it all feels really good? And it just comes together. But folks, doing good, if you would see the beauty of it and see the understanding that, man, I just, God, you called me to do it. I need to do it. I'm going to focus on the instruments, the Word of God, that, God, I don't feel like I'm in season right now. I don't feel like I'm prepared. But, God, make me prepared, ready to go and ready to do this. James 4, 17 declares this. You don't have to turn there, but write this one down. This is another tough one. This is a tough love part. We've got to get rid of the past. Turn to somewhere and say, I've got to get rid of the past. Don't let your future pay the past debts, folks. Don't waste it on it. Whoever knows what is right to do and fails to do it for him is a sin. Man, if we know what's right to do for us and we don't do it, folks, that's not a... Eh, that's sin. And I think in our heart of hearts we know what we need to do. And what ends up happening is I hope that this stirs kind of things that have gone cold and maybe lukewarm a little bit. It wakes us up to understanding whoever knows what is right to do and fails to do it for him is a sin. David Seidman writes, it's one of my favorite books, he said there are so many unhappy, self-centered Christians who could go a long way towards solving their problems and growing up if they would quit sitting around talking about their, their taking their spiritual temperature feeling their emotional pulse, and waiting for some good inner feeling to push them out into the stream of God's service. You know, isn't it so funny? Sometimes we just spend this time like acting like self-doctors. I just don't feel good. Oh, yep, I got a bad, I got a cold. I'm doing this. This could be the worst thing. You know, it's kind of like we self-medicate and go on WebMD when we're feeling symptoms, and it's like the end of the world. This could be bad. It could be worse. No, 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 no. Get out into it and understand that there's a stream of God's service. Quit taking your emotional pulse. You know what you should do? Say, you know what, I don't feel like it, but I'm determined I'm going to do it. This is my feelings are not lining up with the Word of God. That doesn't change who God is. God doesn't need to change. Steve Lapp needs to change. 
And that's a very powerful place we can get into when we get out of our past. Have you ever thought, maybe, just maybe, it's our thoughts that need a fixing? One of the most profound verses is to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. So when we have predetermined thoughts about people and things, folks, it doesn't say take some of our thoughts or take the good thoughts or take the bad thoughts. It says take every thought. You might have good thoughts. Have you ever prejudged someone and you thought, well, this is a man of character, and you found out later on you heard some news about him, and you're like, that's not, a, that's not even the guy who I thought he was. So even our good thoughts can be bad thoughts. Be ready in and out of season. Maybe our thoughts need some fixing. You say, well, what do I do? How do I fix my thoughts? Jump one chapter ahead to Philippians 4, verses 7 through 9. Remember, we're getting rid of the past today. See, if God had the power to save you, from death, hell, and the grave. If you have the power to do that, let me tell you something. He also has the power to deal with your circumstances right now. If Jesus is the Savior of the Lord, and Savior and Lord of your life right now, and looking 20 years back, we saved you from that horrible sin or that horrible addiction, do you think God is still powerful today to display Himself in your life and what you face? Philippians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9 says this, then you will experience God's peace. Anybody need some of that today? Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thought. Here it is. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Isn't it interesting how the Lord says you're going to have to fix your thoughts and what's pure and what's right and what's honorable. Some That's going to be some work for us to do. One thing that we're going to have to do as well is refuse to focus on the past you. How many born-again, spirit-filled people do we have here in this place today? Oh, good, two or three. Wow, all that excitement. <laughs> Refuse to focus on the past you. You know, we say one of the most powerful thing Jesus does is he forgives our sins. He forgives us. He lets go of all that stuff. Corey Ten Boom said this, and I forgot she had said this. When God forgives you, he forgets. He buries our sins in the sea and put the sign on the bank saying, no fishing allowed. Isn't that beautiful? So when we come into our life and we're under, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, what we are so determined to do in our life is we're trying to fix the past me. There is no past Steve, right? The old self is dead. The new Steve now has come to life. So I, my brain is playing a trick on me because what I'm trying to do is talk in the framework of the old Steve. And God is saying, that's not the Steve I know. The Steve I know is the born again, filled with my spirit, my son. And you cry out, Abba, to me. That's the Steve I know. 
And some of us walk through life determined or predetermined to talk in kind of this low talent pool mode of like, I can barely make it, I can barely do it, not understanding that God has not buried your sins, He has forgotten your sins. And He puts the sign on the bank, that, that, that place that you keep going back to, I don't know where your weakness is, I don't know what the sin is, you keep going back to the bank and you keep fishing there and God has put up the sign saying, no fishing allowed. Isn't that a cool dad? He's not a dad that scurries around and you did your past and he keeps reminding me, how many had family members that remind you of past 10 years ago or something you said and did they just keep bringing up? Those are beautiful people to hang out with, aren't they? (laughs) And you wonder why Christmas is so special for some people and why they don't want to come to your house. Come on now. Maybe there's fishing allowed. <laughs> Feats of strength, no. Festivus, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> David Seidman writes the first step towards Christian adulthood. How many want to grow up in here? I want to grow up. The first step towards Christian adulthood is to be done with any subtle form of inner penance and self-condemnation for already and for forgotten sins. The guilty self needs to become the forgiven self. Did you hear me? The inner penance and the self-guilt needs to go away now. And it's so hard because we try to work on this and we think, man, I owe God something. Folks, you could never pay back what God gave to you. You could never pay it back. In the form of inner penance that we go through, many times we even pray because we feel like, well, I've got to pray. i got to pray. The pastor tells me to pray. No, 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 no. We, we get to pray. You have an opportunity to talk with God every day of your life when you're in your car, when you're brushing your teeth, when you're doing all that you're doing. There's an opportunity for you to grow close to God. But don't go to church out of penance. Don't do things in life because you feel like you owe God something. Folks, you can never pay it back. He paid for it on the cross for you. And I love the jailer when he was talking to Paul and Silas. And that big miraculous thing happened and, and the jailer was getting ready to kill himself because the jail cell had opened up and, and Paul said, don't do it, we're still here. And the, and the jailer asked a simple question. He said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul didn't tell him all these rules and he didn't tell him to do all these four things and these four steps and meet in the back room. He said, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. No penance, no condemnation, no guilt. Maybe this jailer was the same one that spit on Paul and Silas. Maybe the jailer was the same one that put him in the hard bondage and in the corner and kicked him around a little bit. Who knows? And yet Paul with fervence and boldness preaches to him, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Focusing on your past, 
will destroy your future. And your past could be something little here. It could be something major. Have you ever noticed it's really not the big events in your life that destroy you? It's the little things, it's the foxes in the vineyard that run around. Haven't you noticed it's the little things in your life that really bother you? Shall we say this one together? I'll say it and then we're going to repeat it together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you ready? Can we remember that one? A little school here. All right, we're only going to say this together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. Let me give you a little assurance if you're struggling and you're struggling to let go of the old you and talking in terms like the old you as opposed to the spirit-filled believer, a priesthood of believer that God has called you to be a kingdom of priests. The godly man may trip seven times, but they will get up again. See, the godly may trip seven times. How many tripped up the last seven times in the last seven days? You might trip up seven times. You might trip up seven times a day, seven times a week. But the godly get up again. If I could admonish you, if I could wake you up today to say, get up. Get up. Get up. You trip. So what? Get up. You're not the old you, you're the new you. Your past doesn't determine you. Grace is so beautiful because it is unmerited favor. And I say it over and over again, the mercies of God are new every day, so you get to enjoy those mercies. Well, wait, man, this, this sin, this problem dealing with this, yes, you get the same mercy, not less, you get more. Refuse to look through the door and the window of the old you. Stop going fishing in that pond. The fish there stink. Refusing to focus on the past you is going to be so important for this next year. And I believe one of the things that you're going to have to do is stir yourself up again. Paul admonished his son to stir up the gift inside. And many of us, we have dormant things going on inside of us, and God is saying you must awaken those things so that you don't stay in the past. Sociologists have a theory of the looking glass self. You become what the most important in your life, i.e. your wife, your father, your boss, etc., think you are. Did you hear that? You become what the most important person in your life is, that they think you are. How would my life change if I truly believed the Bible's astounding words of love for me? I looked in the mirror, and then I actually see what God sees. Imagine tomorrow morning if you started declaring the word of God to yourself. And start looking in the mirror and saying, I choose today, Steve Lapp chooses to see what God sees. God doesn't see the old you. God sees the new you. God sees the completed you. 
God sees the whole you, and it's so powerful. God's not screwing around in the past in your life. He's saying, man, I've got a beautiful future for you. You say, well, with all these problems? Absolutely, God works through it. That beautiful video, wasn't that great? All the scribbles, all of a sudden the portrait's made out of it. And God will make, God will make through that pain and through the problems, He's going to determine to say, I'm going to make a beautiful picture through this. This is the place of rest and reset, but here's what you're going to have to do to get out of the old you and the way you think and the way you see yourself and the way you perceive yourself right now. You're going to have to come to God today and hear what He has to say to you. Isaiah 55.3 declares this. Isaiah 55.3 says, Come to me with your ears wide open, declares the Lord. Listen and you will find life. Have you ever come to a person or had a conversation with someone and they're not really even paying attention to you? <laughs> the lights are on, but nobody's home. They're not listening to you. Maybe you're distracted. And when we come to God today, and this is going to be the part where we really learn how to meditate. The Bible says to meditate on God's word day and night. That doesn't mean you open your Bible everywhere you go. That means you might have a, a verse of scripture that's pricked your heart, and you're awakened to that, and you think about it, and you're meditating on that right now. There, are, Man, let me tell you something. I've had some of the most close encounters with God when I've been washing dishes in the kitchen sink. I can tell you that right now. This is a place of rest and reset. The Bible says to be still and to know that I am God. You won't know anything about God if you choose not to pick up this instrument that's going to get you past your feelings. Now, feelings are important. Feelings, but they are not the equalizer. There's a balance to our life that's declared. St. John of the Cross used the phrase, My house being now stilled. Some of us need to go to that still place again so that we can hear what God has to say to us. And I'm going to tell you something. God has some wonderful things to say to you. I can tell you right now, He's not going to blame you for all the problems in life. He's not going to say how horrible a person you've been this last year. It's not the Santa Claus thing. Thank God. It is a loving Father speaking to His child. Pouring his life into you because, remember, he gave his life for you. So he knows everything about you, all the problems, all the pain, all the suffering. But he will say this, I'm not staying there, we're going places. Do you want to go with me? Because Jesus is going after disciples. He's not going after people who are squatting or, or sitting in areas of their life. He's saying, listen, get out of there, get up, let's go. Let's go, we can't do anything about it, let's go. My house is being now still. This is where God is allowed to speak to us uninterrupted. At this place, we have nothing to say but only to listen. Some of us have prayed too much and we've listened too little. We go on and we go on and we go on and we go on about what God should do and fix this and we're marching down the armies and doing these kind of things. That's not the moment I'm talking about. But the moment I am talking about is you predetermined to come into the presence of God with absolutely nothing to say. Amen. You're in a place of listening. You know, I challenge you in the very practical part of it. You don't have to be a monk to do this. You sit down on your couch, your bed, wherever you are, and before you get scurrying around on the latest social things and the news and who's doing what and the latest crazy thing out there, 
You decide that your phone's a piece of junk for the next half hour. Can I get an amen? Amen. And you sit there. You open the word of God. And you ask God, God, speak to me. You know, I challenged a guy once. He wasn't walking with the Lord. His marriage was a mess. He said, you ever talk to the Lord? What do you mean? (laughs) People are like, wow, what what do you mean I can do that? He said, absolutely talk to the Lord. Ask God to speak to you. And you sit there for a moment and you allow God to speak to you and your situations and maybe what God speaks to you actually has nothing to do with your present problem. You know, because we want God to address our problems. God, what about the problem here? And once we fix that problem there, how many of you know you fix that one problem and you've got four older over here now that God's got to fix? So maybe we get to a place in life and relationship with Christ where we do really understand that He walks with me and He talks with me. He shares His word. He shares His thoughts. And He gives me inspiration for every moment of my day. What does God see in you? Turn real quick to Romans chapter 3. You say, what does God truly see in me, Pastor? Here we go. Are you ready? Romans chapter 3. Verse 24. I love this verse. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. Imagine that. God saying to you that you are righteous, in right standing. If you really dig into righteous, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. When He looks at us, He looks at us as if we've never even sinned. Imagine that. Right standing with God. He declares that you and I are righteous, so I have no business dipping into my past. Turn to someone and say, stop dipping into your past. <laughs> Tulian Chobden writes, for many Americans of a certain age, the college admissions process is an oppressive and extraordinary stressful area of life. It is performanism writ very, very large. One's entire worth and value as a person is boiled down to a short transcript and application, which is then judged according to a stringent and ever-escalating set of standards. High school seniors are called upon to justify themselves according to their achievements and interests as the top schools have gotten more and more competitive. So has the pressure under which our top students place themselves. They feel their entire lives are hanging in the balance, that where they go to school will dictate their happiness for years to come. Folks, isn't that crazy, the performance wheel we get into? And you look at children and and kids graduating from high school, they realize that their whole life will be ruined if this one school doesn't accept them. Can I tell you, young person, your life is not determined by that school. Your life is determined by God declaring you righteous today. That school doesn't define you. Heck, even your career choice doesn't define you. Do you know that your career just might change five years into that career? You might have to go back to a different school, and that school you worshipped before now has become the school you're going. That's the dumbest school I've ever been to. <laughs> Life is crazy like that. But you can't be performance-driven in your life. 
And you can't allow people and influences to come in your mind. Your worth, your self-worth and your value is ascribed by God who determined to say, you are righteous. Doesn't matter how pretty you think you are, or ugly you think you are, the right size, the right whatever. How many of you know you look at that mirror in life and you start predetermining things about yourself and you lose that self-worth because you have lost what God has spoken over you, saying, I have made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are special to me. We get so performance-driven in our daily lives, we adopt that into our hearts, and our relationship with Christ is determined that way. Richard Foster had a prayer about this. And Sandra, if you wanted to come up here and start playing. My Lord and my God, listening is hard for me. I do not exactly mean hard, for I understand that this is a matter of receiving rather than trying. What I mean is that I am so action-oriented, so product-driven, that doing is easier for me than being. Folks, this is a prayer for Steve Lapp. I need your help if I am to be still and to listen. I'd like to try. I'd like to learn how to sink down into the light of your presence until I can become comfortable in that posture. Help me try now. You think about the very Sabbath idea of the day of rest. Isn't it hard to find that even that daily place of rest and security in God because we are so do-driven that we just can't be? I want to encourage you today to be a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. Not the old you, but the new you. And I encourage you to act as a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. That you can go to the throne room of grace boldly and with confidence. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment? Two things in our past that we need to deal with today is refusing to focus on your problems the way you have. Forgetting your problems doesn't mean they just poof, go away. It means that you don't give them the same value that you used to. You're not focused on them the same way. And the other thing is refuse to focus on the past you. Just like Corey Ten Boom says, he threw your sins and my sins into that sea of forgetfulness and he posed a sign on the shore saying, no fishing allowed. Today, right now in this place, first and foremost, you, you maybe don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've got a form of godliness but you deny the power of it. You have some churchy in you. You have some talk in you. You, you kind of go by the good person principle but you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You haven't flung yourself at the cross and said, God, I give you me. Just like that jailer declared, what must I do to be saved? And today God says, I want you to call on me and you will be saved. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior from young to old, and you say, I want that assurance, that friendship, so I can understand eternity and that eternity that's been hidden in my heart now it comes into view that there's more to this life. Don't leave here, don't leave this place without knowing and having assurance of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Today if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, I want to know Jesus as my Savior. And you're saying, what must I do to be saved?
Would you please raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Let's all pray this together with boldness. Dear Jesus, I thank you for saving me from my sins. I thank you, God, that when I cry you, you hear me. I thank you, God, for healing me in my heart and dealing with the sins bringing light into my spirit. I thank you, God, for the future you have for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you're a believer in this place, and you say, maybe I've been focusing on these circumstances way too much. Maybe it's you've been focusing on the old you too much. You can't enjoy a day of your life because you always feel like you're never making it. I want to tell you that you made it because the cross made it for you. And God who started a good work in you will finish what he began. I want to tell you today that you can enjoy your relationship with Christ. And we need to stop looking at Jesus with like a little switch in his hand waiting to see what you do wrong. And you start to see him as Abba, Daddy, Father who picks you up when you stumble. He doesn't say go get cleaned up. He cleans you up. Today you determine to say, I'm not fishing in that pond anymore. I'm not going back there. And maybe today you determine, I'm not going back to the places where people keep talking about the old pond. That's old dead stuff, and I don't want to hang around that. Maybe you go it alone for a little bit because those friends weren't really friends that you thought they were. And you shut things off in your life and you get to hear something put into your brain so that you can develop a new memory, a new thought pattern. With all your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul. God renews that. Today if that's you and God is dealing beautifully in your past, saying, just just forget it. Don't focus on it the same way you have been. Realize that I will use this for a great future. Trust me. But I want you to start not predetermining your future based on the past, but determine your future based on God's word for your life. That God's promises are yes and amen. And then you can come into focus. Today, if that's you, and you say, that that's me, I want to let go of those things right now so that I can run into my future. Today, if that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today here. Right at the end of 2018, and Lord, we don't want to have our future pay for the debts of yesterday. We let go of those things. Why don't we all pray this together? Dear Jesus, I thank you for my future that you handmade for me. I thank you, God, for being daddy to me, for making my life right, making my life count, making my life 
of value, of purpose. Lord, forgive me for dipping into the past, whether it be the circumstances or the perception I have of myself. I thank you for making me new. That the old has passed away. Behold, I am new. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. I am his friend. I am loved. I am thought of. I am complete because of what you've done. Thank you for new opportunities, Lord. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. I know we've heard these things over and over again, but isn't it a blessing to get refreshed and understand that we don't have to go back to that pond. If you can remember anything, don't go fishing there today, okay? I know it's tempting because you know that pond, you know the area, but I'm telling you those fish are stinky fish. Just remember, okay? I love you guys so much. Happy, happy, happy new year to you. May you have a safe 2019. Stay home and grill a steak. So love you so much.